Hi guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just have a little bit of news for you. Oh yes. We do. The news is that we now have a dedicated section on the official Manchester United app just for our podcast. Maze go on it. Loving it? Yes, loving it. We know what you're thinking. Why should I move my favourite podcast app all the way over to a new app? Well, two reasons. Reason one is that you will get the podcast a whole 24 hours earlier. I think that's a really good reason. That's 24 hours earlier than everywhere else. And you can be first in line to hear every new episode. Yeah, and reason number two is it allows us to bring you so much more than just the episode. So if we talk about goals, you'll be able to see the goals within the app and you'll also see associated articles and something a lot of people have requested. You'll be able to watch more episodes of the podcast all in one place which to me seems sensational Mm -hmm. but if you're not convinced and want to stay where you are that's fine too we'll still bring you our pods right here every week as usual right here right now but also if you're on the app you won't have to sit through us telling you all this every time that's good yeah because this is going to get repeated if you're listening on something else but not on the app Uh, anyway that's it the official manchester night app now has a podcast section loads going on in there check it out now on with this episode download the app Hello and welcome to United Podcast. Right now, Helen, Maisie and myself, uh, and Tasker, of course, uh, and Scott's here working the cameras. We are sat on the gantry, which is where the commentators come for games at Old Trafford. So we have the most spectacular view of the Sir Alex Ferguson stand directly opposite us. We can see the pitch and it looks wonderful. If we lean over the edge, which feels no, a bit... let's not do It that. feels a bit precarious. <laughs> but we're basically just above the touchline. Mm-hmm. So the view is remarkable and as it's not a match day the ground staff are working hard they're dropping little sort of foam balls would you say the foam balls mm, it's a garlic in it yeah well that's garlic. I know that's what it is but I'm saying would garlic, you... garlic bowl, do, bowl dolls <laughs> <laughs> garlic dough balls all over the pitch yeah they're dropping those all over yeah. the pitch there's a little smell uh, there's also tours going around so you might occasionally hear people um, in awe of the stadium or you might hear the guides describing specific things and obviously because the stadium is empty it might echo uh, it's a slightly windy day it's been a little bit rainy hasn't it really it is, setting the scene yeah. here Sam well do you know what? Well, cause it's a bit of a novelty because we're not on Zoom there's not been that many this no, recently that we haven't just been sat at home so it's so fun to be in a place and also this is a really special place isn't it we come into the stadium we come through the stand as per normal and then you go through this like secret little door up this incredibly rickety ladder it's not stairs and then you walk essentially on the roof of Old Trafford Mm. through some sort of corrugated sheeting and it's like you can feel the history as you're up here and then you come up to this 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 place and this spectacular view and I'm so jealous of the commentators they get to come here so often that's my view of it. Um, and of course, we're here today for someone we all know very well. Uh, yeah. Helen, Paddy Crerand. What's your favourite mm-hmm. story? Oh, it has to be the time he was at Old Trafford, put his hand in his pocket and there was salmon in his pocket for his dinner. That <laughs> what? Night. Raw salmon that he was going to cook for his dinner oh. that night. <laughs> okay, oh, cool. Amazing. Um, That's probably we had We had a trip it. away a few years ago. The old boys, we had a dinner, a golfing trip it was down, can't think where it was, down south somewhere. And Steptoe and Paddy came out for a night out with us. And um, Alex Stepney, just for Yeah, Alex Stepney, yeah. And uh, I remember Paddy dancing in this bar with his tie around his head. You can picture the scene now. It's just no, it was legendary. No, I can't. I don't uh, know was, what way he dances. It was absolutely legendary. Show us. Oh, Show no. us how he dances. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then I think Paddy and Steptoe went home early, maybe around 12-ish, 1 o'clock. And then we came in around 2 and Paddy was on a settee in the foyer with a big map over him. 
That was his blanket. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't made the bedroom. He just fell asleep on this sat couch with a map over him. I think Do you have one, Sam? I went to his house a few years ago when um, when Harry Gregg died. I went and spoke mm. to a few of his you know former teammates, people who knew him very well. And I went to Paddy's house and his Christmas tree, it was February, and his Christmas tree was up and he, he wasn't sure how to take it down. So instead of like, try, he just put a black bag over it. So there was just a binned Christmas tree still stood with the decorations on it in the corner. What a guy. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody associated to this football club that doesn't have a, a, a story about no, Paddy. 100%. He's class. <laughs> Another thing about Paddy, when we used to go into the green room before the Paddy show or whatever show you'd be doing, there would often be, you know, a little box of chocolates. Jars of chocolate, yeah. yeah. After Paddy had gone home, all gone. Yeah. Fill his pockets with all the little chocolates, wouldn't he? Uh, Sam, we're very privileged because we are about to be with two European Cup winners. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I, uh, that doesn't happen very Paddy. often, does it? Doesn't happen very often, not no. at all. But incredible career mm-hmm. Paddy's had as well. And he's, he's come up so many times, hasn't he, with players from the sort of era he played in and those who played a little bit later who either knew him because he was still associated with the club like like with Lou McCurry and how, how he yeah. was instrumental in him coming to Manchester United he had an extraordinary career and also I think probably as every Manchester United fan thinks anyone who played under Sir Matt Busby is going to have stories that you mm-hmm. absolutely want to hear yeah no point delaying is there should we get the originals from him here is a great man himself Mr Patrick Crarand oh nice Daisy <laughs> oh, <God>. what Daisy <laughs> My mum calls me that. (laughs) Does she? Daisy May, yeah. It's amazing. I would say there's very few people that need no introduction for Manchester United fans. But today we have one here, Paddy <laughs> Crerand. Welcome to the podcast. How do you know? I've not played for many, many years. But everybody knows you, Paddy. <laughs> and you know everybody. I'm there because I talk too much from. <laughs> We're absolutely delighted to have you because we've wanted to have you on for so long. But obviously with COVID, it's been very difficult. But we are so happy to have you. And today we are on the gantry. My first time on the gantry, I must say. Sam, is it it yours? I have been here once before. Once before. Paddy and Maisie obviously know this well. And Paddy, you know the gantry well. Well, we were coming up here with Steve Bauer when he was working for MUTV many years ago. And we used to do all the games from up here. You get a great view up here. Great view. But the funny thing about it, you can hear what the players are saying on the pitch as well. Yeah, it's funny. Do you hear me, David? (laughs) <laughs> I can hear you, Paddy. I can always hear you, Paul. We all also have to make reference to the fact that there might be some background noise because there is tours currently uh, ongoing at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, at the gantry, great view of the pitch and it's just great to have you, Paddy. Have you watched any of our podcasts on MUTV or I don't suppose you've listened to any podcasts? I do, I, yeah, I watch you them. Listen, I, I watch yeah, you them. watch I've them. A, I've got MUTV, You yeah. don't have the technology to listen to podcasts, do you? I do listen to podcasts, strange enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my nose is so-and-so. But we know that you watch every episode on MUTV. I do, yeah. Loyal, loyal, Paddy. Yeah. Absolutely. How's, uh, how's lockdown been, Paddy? Tough? For everybody, David, it's been yeah. a nightmare. It's not so bad. I go into the gym with a pal of mine every... I know, but it, I know you do now, but like yeah, 12 months ago... Yeah, we couldn't yeah. do it, yeah, but it was horrific. Tough at home with the missus? She didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I could imagine. She I could imagine that. Me, I think. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, I came to your house in February and you told me a story about her and about you locked her in the conservatory overnight <laughs> by accident. And you showed me the conservatory. And I can see how easily it was done, but maybe you could tell us that story. No, that was just accidental. I can't remember. Well, I would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was not deliberate. But United were playing, it was a night match. And she didn't get out until, God knows, it must have been 11 o'clock at night. And you know the funny thing, thank God we had a back door into the garden because she used that as a toilet. <laughs> thank God it was dark. So She'll appreciate you sharing that, I she think. She wasn't very happy about it anyway. Did you even not hear her knocking on the door or anything? I wasn't there. <laughs> he locked her in Where was left. she? You I locked mean, her in there and then you I came to the game. I must have been at Old Trafford, yeah. And as we know, you probably didn't answer your phone. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, yeah. It oh. wasn't a very happy situation in actual fact. <laughs> Is it ever going to happen to you, Ellen? <laughs> I hope not. Well, you never know. That could happen accidentally or vice versa. <laughs> oh, Paddy, you're one of a kind. Right, so if you've watched our podcast or listened to them, you will know that we have little life stories with people, so we're going to do the same with you. So we'll start where it all began for you in Glasgow. Obviously, you have a big affinity to Ireland. Well, both my parents were Irish, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. My mother, both my mother and father were from Donegal. Mm-hmm. And my father, obviously, the no work, and so they emigrated to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my father got killed. They, they came about 1937 or something like that. And my father worked in Clyde Bank in the shipyards, and they got bombed and he got killed. And I was, there was three or four of us. So it, was, it must have been horrendous for my mother. Because I don't think there was the the stuff you could get today. We're better looked after today by different by the governments than we were in those days. How do you think that shaped you? Because I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I I, I was lucky enough to grow up with my dad. Yeah. But not being able to do that. Were there other people that were in your life that helped you and were? Because I think everybody Father needs figure, male and yeah. female role models. Well, and, well, t- female role models. My mother had ten sisters and two brothers. Wow. <laughs> And th- th- m- most of the time, it was my mother's sisters up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my aunt, actually. So we got to know them extremely well. Did you have a father figure in your life from a young age? Not really, to a great degree. Mm-hmm. My mother eventually got married again in about, about 10 years later. And I had a stepfather, and he was a lovely man in actual fact. Mm-hmm. A lovely man he was. He was from the same area as my mother was from, Gidor. Right. And Donegal. And who was the person who influenced your love of football then? I think it may have been a fellow called from Belfast, Charles Tully. Patrick right. Tully was a great, great footballer. Mm-hmm. And I was going to Celtic Park when I was about seven or eight. And he was he was the George Best of Glasgow at that time. He was absolutely fantastic. There we player. go. And that's that's, my pa- that's there Paddy's, that's <laughs> Paddy's <laughs> form. Paddy in that, a nutshell. That is the worst ringtone ever, Paddy. I, I, I didn't know you even had the phone. But that's you know something. If you want to answer it, if it's important, you take it. No, no, it won't be important. It won't be important. No, he's going to say, how do you answer this? How do you answer this? Oh, it's Claire Robson. Oh, right, Claire Robson. Oh, she's she's put the phone down. Oh. <laughs> Brian Robson's daughter. Yeah. Right. So can you Such put that? Can dropper. you put your phone on mute? I have no idea how to put right, it off. Right. There's a little button on the side that There'll you just. Sam, it's interfering with the microphone because it's one of those. Yeah, and will you, you will you be able to switch well, it on later? Nineteen ninety six. Two missed calls. I'm guessing they're both clear. If it rings again, I'll answer it. Uh, yeah. So go on. You're going to Celtic Park. I, I went there as a kid. Yeah. Because that was where I was brought up in the Gorbals. It was all Irish and they were mm-hmm. all great leanings towards Celtic. So. I was going there from I was six, seven years of age. But in those days, what they'd done, you didn't have to pay to get in. They'd pick you up and throw you over the turnstile. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was doing that until I was about 14. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but you could go to, to Hamden Pat Scottish Internationals, 
We get out of school, but I went to school very close to Hamden Park. And the game would start about half past two and not finish till four o'clock or quarter past four when we had to get out of the school. Mm -hmm. So how were we going to go home because of the, the crowds? So the, the school let us out. Everybody in the school went to Hamden Park when Scott was playing at an Arsenal because it was great. Because what, sort, those, what sort of attendances would have been then, Paddy? Oh, over 100,000 yeah. every game. Easily, easily. The crowd would pick you the, the policeman would pick you up and throw you over the turnstile. The policeman? The, the policeman, yeah. <laughs> fun. Well, you were only kids. Mm -hmm. Hard to imagine that now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, be, they'd, be, they'd be... I played at Hamden against England, 134,000. And I got about eight quid, I think, for the game. That's crazy. 134,000. It's because no one was paying for their tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was incredible crowds. When, when when did your first love of football come around? I know you've mentioned Celtic oh, there. Oh, I think but when I was a... There was, there was no television. Would have been school... Did oh, you have a school, school team? Yeah. I went to some school was not very far. There was about three or four schools all within the radius of each other. Yeah. No television. So what did you do? You played a... Kicked the ball about. Mm. But it, it was a problem because there was tenement buildings and there would be a a first floor and the women would be off their head because you could hit a ball and hit the window and break the window. So the police would be round about most times chasing you all over the place. You've always I been where trouble is, very often. Why <laughs> is it since you were born? You were born in 1939, a couple of months later that kicks off in the World War. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're playing football with a kid, with your mates. Yeah, You're five smashing or six. windows. Has trouble always followed you? I didn't ever smash windows. <laughs> Has it always followed you trouble? Okay, no, but when you, when you think at the end, there was, there was not really any green areas where you could go and play football. Queen's Park was the nearest place, and if you went and played football there, the people chased you as well. You weren't allowed to play there. That's why I think Glasgow would become a, a football mad city. I mean... I mean was Celtic Rangers as bad as... Bad then I as think worse. Worse then? Worse, worse, yeah. Uh, was that tough growing up like that I, way? I, I grew up in Glasgow as a kid and there was two things in my life I couldn't do, being a Catholic. I couldn't play for Rangers and I could never be the Prime Minister of Britain. Would you like to have been Prime Minister for Britain? Oh, I'd love to. I'm very, much, I'm very political, actually. Yeah, we know that. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> a bit we know that as soon as you got in the gantry, we knew that. people, I would imagine. So would you say those experiences and the going to the games from yes. a sort of certain rate, that was very typical of everybody? Everybody, yeah. So what was it, do you think, about you and, and your relationship with football that managed to help you like, become a professional? How, what, what, what did you do? Well, did you I, think what it is, you, you played, just naturally better? No, you played, you played for the schools. You played for the school team, and I think that was maybe the first approach from Celtic when you play with your school team. And I went to Holyrood School. I mean, a very good side in actual fact, and there was... You'd, 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 the final of most competitions would be at one of the football grounds that could be at Celtic Park, Hamden Park, which when you were a kid at 14, yes. 15 to play incredible. at Hamden Park, my wow. God almighty. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. So that, that was the reason. And, oh, there was loads of Everybody was a scout in those <laughs> days. You know, if they seen somebody that was a kid that was a half year old, they'd phone, but it'd be Celtic Rangers. There was another club, Third Lanark, and there was another club, Clyde, both around that little area in the Gorbals. Mm -hmm. Four football clubs, and all of them were playing in the Premier League or in the First Division at that particular time. Four you, clubs, can you imagine that? Do you know who scouted you for Celtic? Do you remember? I can't remember his name in actual fact. Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name. We played a game, Ashfield Juniors, were a very big junior club as well, and I played for Dunn it was a big junior club, one of the most 
popular and the two of them. Are they still going? I'm no. not sure. I don't no. think so, Dave. I don't no. think junior football is the same as it yeah. was in my day. But I remember Ashfield, the, the, the guy that was running the Token Hub, says, the guy wants his pitching. He said, how would you like to sign for Celtic? I nearly fainted. <laughs> I said, you're joking. <laughs> I said, of course I would. And I went to Celtic the following Monday or the Tuesday. How old was you then? I would be about 17. 17. 17. And when I went to Celtic Park, the first person I met was Jockstein, who I was a great admirer of Jock, who was a so did, player for Celtic. Did you come out of school straight to Celtic, or did you have a little no, bit of, no, no, a little I bit of work? Out, or? No, I, I, I worked in the shipyards for about right. two years. Once I got playing professional football, I stopped working yeah. in the shipyards. I thought getting up at half six in the morning to get the shipyards at half past it. The people that worked in the shipyards were great people, actually. What was your speciality in the shipyards? What did you have to do? Doing nothing. <laughs> Made a career out of it. Doing nothing as often as possible. Do you know, funny enough, do you know who, worked, you, in the shipyards you do, who worked in the shipyards at the same time as me? Alec Ferguson's brother. I got to know him exceptionally well in those days. That's before I ever got to know Alex. Who was that, Martin? Martin, yeah. Martin, Martin was a lovely lad. Martin was a good footballer as well, but... Martin didn't have the nastiness. He'd have been a terrific player if he'd have been a nasty so-and-so, but he wasn't nasty. Mm. And he was a nice person as well. He, he, just he just oh, totally nice, mm -hmm. but he was a good footballer. What do you think were the qualities that set you apart? If you say, like, he was a, a great footballer but didn't maybe have the the right attitude needed, what were what were the attributes that you offered that people were like? Well, well, the, the, the area I came from where we played football, you had to win. Mm-hmm. You had to win. You got you a hard time of it from maybe even your parents or whoever it was if you didn't win. That was the thing you were brought up to believe. Seconds nowhere. You know, and I'm very much like that today. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, when I see United are not top of the league, it makes me angry. <laughs> oh well. And you played. You were a midfielder. Yes. And were you always a midfielder? Or did, when I was did at school, I was a centre forward. Believe it or not, okay. I was a centre forward at school, but I wasn't the quickest even mm -hmm. then. So. I get moved back to the middle of the park. Yeah, I I read a quote uh, from you, I think from your playing days, where you were talking to journalists, and they said something about uh, you being aggressive or or maybe your tackles were over the top or something, and you said a midfielder has to either be quick or aggressive, and you've seen my legs. <laughs> <laughs> in football in those days, and I don't know if the same thing comes into a day, it should come into a day. Mm -hmm. Matt Busby used to always say to... The midfield players and defenders. When the last thing he would say before he went out of the pitch, the player you're playing against, let them know you're there. Now, what did that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Smash them. Smash them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, who was that, wanted football played in the beautifulest way, let them know you're there. You made your debut in 58, Queen of the South. How did you know that? Uh, I, I've, I've, Sorry, I've done my research. That's what we do. We Funny research. enough, it's true. They played against Queen of the South at Celtic Park. Can you remember it? I know we won 3 1. I can't remember a great deal about it. Can you, you remember know? the build up or anything now? Now, what we used to do in those days, strangely different from what it was today, you go straight to Celtic Park an hour from the kickoff. Even if there's over 100,000 there to get in? There'd be 40 or 50,000, maybe more than that. But that's right. what you do. You go up and you'd maybe. People wouldn't go to the games as early in those days as they did today because yeah. the pubs were open till two o'clock, so people would be in the pubs till two o'clock and then come <laughs> out. So by the time they go out the pubs, it'd be half two and then it'd be a fight. What would, um, there would have been no, like, um, 
sports science then. So what would have been your pre-match? Pre-match? Your pre-match meal. Well, yeah, you had pre-match meal at home. No, no, yeah, what would it have been? Oh, potatoes, like literally anybody that knows about Fish and potatoes, yeah. (laughs) No, no, but eggs would be the thing. You'd have this strange idea that eggs would be good for you. Right. I, I was even doing that playing here at Manchester United. We used to go to, where was it? The, the Golf Course, Davies Room to. Oh, right, yeah. So I'd have uh, scrambled eggs or something like that. You, just, were, you just, were ahead of your time. I must have been, because I think that's what people that's do what have, people to, have now, yeah. today, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what they've done in those days as well, which people thought was the best thing to eat was a steak. Yeah. Everybody would order a steak, and I found out very early on that the worst thing you can do is eat a steak because you can't digest it before a game. It takes yeah. hours and hours. And the other one that you scrambled there, George Best, George never anything like that. Mm. That's when he turned up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great lad. He always turned up. Like, yeah. you know, that's a standing joke by everybody now that George wasn't like that. Yeah. Great, great player. So uh, when you were playing for Celtic, you know, your cousin Charlie was playing as well, right? Charlie Gallagher played, yeah. Yeah, so your family must have been very proud. Well, they were all from the same little village in Donegal all of them so um, Celtic was the team because most of the people in Donegal at that time as I said they could only travel to Glasgow that, mm-hmm. they'd get the boat from Derry to Glasgow overnight nightmare journey and that was the only way they could get possibly get work as well was by doing was that. he older than you Paddy pardon was he older than you You're Charlie yeah no he was a year younger than me right so would you have come over before him sort of thing to... come, I was at Celtic before him yeah do you know the funny thing he got a European Cup winners medal with Celtic yeah, wow. I wonder if there's many families of two people that have won oh, yeah. European Cup men- men- That's a great medals. That's a great Coming from a little, a little village like Gidor and yeah. Donegal, yeah. a little village. This is jumping ahead slightly, but obviously you left Celtic and then they won the European Cup. Yes. Were, were you excited that they'd won the European Cup? I was delighted. I was delighted that Celtic won the Cup. A bit jealous to a certain degree because mm-hmm. I went to Manchester United to win it first. Yeah. But my mother was at the game. My, all my family went to mm-hmm. Lisbon to the game. No way. You know, and, and, and honest to God, Jock Steen got me about half a dozen tickets for my family for the mm-hmm. final. Jock wow. was the manager of Celtic at that time. I mean, for them to win the, the European Cup at that day mm-hmm. was an incredible feat. Did and your cousin play in the game? No, I, I can't remember. I, I, I don't thought, think he did, no. To get a medal, he must have. No? Would, the they, would they have done medals for subs? I don't know, but... There was no subs in those days. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There was no subs so, in those so days. Well, played, I, 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 I don't think he got. thought they had one, no. No, I think they probably gave everybody a medal. <laughs> what difference it made? I know. You talk about your aggression in your game, Paddy. The chairman, Celtic, had a little pop at you for being too aggressive. Bob Kelly, yeah, Bob Kelly. Yeah. You, I finished up. I didn't go on very well with the match. Of fact, he was, <laughs> he was a very strong character, and yeah. so was I. So it was always an argument. <laughs> what was it about your game that he didn't like about the aggression? No, I, I didn't. Was it just so you no, kicked was, everybody was, pillar to post? Was, or? Uh, attitude more than anything, David. Your attitude. Yeah. And what was that like? Well, because I don't want to, if, if I had something to say, I'd say it, and it didn't go down very well with quite a lot of the people. Well, sounds like when uh, was it um, New Year's Day and you were playing Rangers? Yeah. Did you end up in a fight with someone in the dressing room at half time? Is that right? I had a fight with the assistant manager, <laughs> not somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just, we, the way we were playing, when you're that age, you think you know everything, don't mm-hmm. you? So the way we were playing, we were awful. I said, you can't, we've got to change the system we're playing. We're very defensive and all that. And 
we didn't change it. We finished up losing 4 0. Came back to the Gorbals after losing 4 0 to Rangers. You had to hide. Wait till it was dark. Don't, don't go up there in the daylight because you could be, you could have a fight in your hands. Do you th- is, th- is that event, do you think, is that what ultimately led to your exit from Celtic? That game, particularly, yeah. yeah. That game, particularly. I was, I was out of Celtic there about six weeks later. Wow. And, and obviously, it was your boyhood club. How did you feel about leaving? Upset, annoyed, angry with the people that controlled the club at that particular time. But then, I remember playing against the, the, the Italy league team. Italy brought a league team to Hampden Park to play against Scotland, uh, play against the Scottish League. There was over 100,000 at that game as well. I was playing on the Scotland side. You know who was playing on the Italian side? Dennis Law. So Matt came to the game. I don't know what he came to the game for, but probably to watch both of us. We, we finished up, we beat them 1-0, which we, we're not supposed to beat the Italians, they're mm. supposed to hammer you, but we beat them 1-0 in actual fact. And I remember going back to meet Dennis afterwards in the hotel right in the centre of Glasgow, I can't think of the name offhand at the present moment. I walked in there, and who's sitting in a chair over there drinking a cup of tea? Matt Busby. And I said, you know, you know, Matt Busby was a picture, it was a person in those days that you looked at for all. So you sort of because I was going to meet Dennis, you sneak around the back to hope that he wouldn't see you in case he spoke to you and you'd... Yeah, you know. And about six months later, we were both playing for United. That's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about your move to United, how that came about. How did you first hear about it? I, f- I didn't know anything about it in actual fact until a newspaper man, believe it or not. Reporter, you mean? A reporter, Not yeah. a delivery newspaper man. <laughs> <laughs> a seven-year-old kid delivering yeah. the papers. Well, his name just escaped me at the present moment. He was a lovely little fella, in actual fact. They knew everything that was going on in Scottish football. And he came to my mother's house and knocked the door. How he got my address, I've no idea. But he was that good. I wish his name would come to me. He was a lovely man, in actual fact. I knocked the door and I said, I said come in, come in. You're going to Manchester United, do you know that? I said, what are you, bloody hell are you talking about? I had no idea what he was talking about. Did you follow English football at this time? Oh, of course we did, yeah. I followed Manchester United. Mm-hmm. They were the team that we all followed because of Matt Busby. Yeah. So how did the move come about then? So the reporters come to your house, he's told yeah, you that you're going, yeah. you knew nothing the about it. The set it up, set this thing up with, I can't remember it very clearly, David. I can't remember but it. You'd have made a, you'd have made the journey down to down to Manchester. I did, yeah. Yeah. On I came with a a newspaper reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody from Celtic came with me, but the fellow came with me and worked for the Daily Record in Glasgow. And in his playing days he was a great centre forward that played for Celtic, John McPhail. Great centre forward, and a lovely man he was as well. He travelled down with me. I had no idea where Manchester was. It could no. have been bloody the yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Did you feel excited at that point, or were you at that point upset that maybe you felt you'd been forced out of Celtic? Yeah, I was upset I'd been forced out of Celtic. But going to Manchester United was... It's not bad, is it? Something special, not a bad yeah. place to be sent, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Bill Nicholson tried to send me for Tottenham. He was desperate to send me. What was the conversation you had when you arrived at Old Trafford? David, you're asking me, I can't remember. I know, I know. <laughs> half the time you won't remember what you did yesterday. That's I, correct. I want you to try and... Recollect. I was I was in awe of Matt Busby in actual yeah. fact. So you travelled down, 
I presume the first person to meet you at the club was Sir Matt. Matt yeah, Matt, yeah. Matt came to the station to meet us, yeah. He came to the station to meet yeah, you, yeah. yeah. I never opened my mouth. I was too in awe of the man. I mean, in those days, players didn't have agents or anything like that in those yeah. days. So you, you didn't know anything. Do you remember what your first paycheck was? I do, 45 quid a week. And what was that? Unimproved? 22 quid a week I was on at Celtic. Celtic. That'll do, so it was a big, big difference. Yeah, but, but, but when you looked at the ordinary working man in the street, was on about 20 quid a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get half the wages, if the working man got half the wages today that a professional footballer get, mm -hmm. get, he'd be on about 70 or 80 grand a week, wouldn't he? Which he should be on anyway, I think, the working man. How did the, uh, how did the conversation go with Samat then? Did he have plans for you? What was his... What? I know, I know. You say you can't remember and all that, but no, but, but no, he spoke about when he wanted me to play and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but I was in total awe of the man. I just kept looking at him. And that year, and came out that year because he was such a public figure in those mm. days, Mark Busby. Not just as manager of Manchester United, not just the United fans, but to the whole of Britain. Yeah, that was just five years after Munich, wasn't five, it? Five. I signed in February the sixth, nineteen sixty-three. Mm -hmm. Five years to the day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Five oh. years to the day. Was it? Was it something that when you were, especially because things at those anniversaries were so recent, did you feel it was something people spoke about or that you felt you could talk about or you could ask questions about? Or was it more like, like, because people like obviously Bobby Cholton at the club who were there, you just don't say anything. I asked the question and never got an answer from anybody. Really? I think we've heard that Nobody before. Nobody said from a, couple of a word. Nobody yeah. even um, mentioned it, Alex ever Stepney. mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Alex Stepney said the same thing. Same yeah. thing, yeah. Stato said the same. Nobody mentioned it. was never mentioned. Mm -hmm. What did you ask? Just what was it like or how no, did you I feel? No, I didn't or? ask because I was too embarrassed to ask. Yeah. I would expect somebody to say something. Yeah. yeah. You know, and nobody mentioned it. Too painful. It was painful for, I would say, 99% of the people in Britain and yeah. in yeah. Ireland, whatever it was, worldwide at that particular yeah. time because of the, the use of the team. I mean, I went to... Shawfield Stadium, Scotland under 23s were playing England under 23s. I would have been about 16 or something like that at the time. And I went because Duncan Edwards was playing. And the game started, they allowed, I think it was one of the first games they ever allowed sub, subs. I wish Stuart Gardner was here because he would tell me it was a Bristol City player got injured and went off. And they moved Duncan Edwards to centre forward, scored four. They won, they won the six two, and I only went to see Duncan Edwards, and he was a midfield player. When I went to see him, but he finished up playing centre forward. Do you know when you got you going about Duncan? That was he, obviously, was a sensational player. That yeah, you know, obviously his his life and career got you know, cut short because of the, the, yeah, the disaster, obviously yeah. the disaster. But you talk about him. Obviously, he's an English player, but did he still have that? Yes. David, I know what you're like, trying to like get Like you had as a player, First, do you mean before? As, as a player, but like how much did you know Manchester. about him being in Scotland? Yeah, oh, idolised in Scotland, Duncan Edwards. Strange enough, it's strange that, isn't it? Yeah. You can cut this out if it's wrong, but even before, obviously before Munich, didn't he at like 18 come second in the Ballon d'Or? That might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not so sure. cut out, but I think like you wouldn't be yeah, surprised if he did anyway. Yeah, his star, I guess, had already risen. You wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't number one. When when I saw him playing for, it, the, it, they played at Celtic in the game as well when Duncan Edwards played. And you know, going back to those days, you know, I remember you going back to those days when the ball was started off fourteen to sixteen ounces, and then half an hour later it was yeah, sixteen wet, yeah. pound or something. <laughs> and he was on the pitch pinging the ball from the left 
half position at the outside, right? Or from, I've, I, and I'm sitting looking at stunned totally by what I was watching. You say that about, obviously, the strength in him and the power yeah. of him. Was he to, Was he that that unique and that different from everybody else yes, you've ever he was. seen? Yes, I would say so in actual fact, because even in Scotland in those days, everybody would be talking about Duncan Edwards. Wow. Strangely, that, is it, I, I think he only played in Scotland about three times. Mm-hmm. If, if he played three times. Yeah. But television was still com- was just coming into the forefront then, mm-hmm. and it was funny enough. Most people where I lived in the Gormals didn't have a television set. No, but there'd be shops there that would have television sets, and they'd leave them on on a Saturday if there was football on, and the crowds <laughs> around the television watching <laughs> the football was incredible. Brilliant. People couldn't afford the television Brilliant. in those days. I looked but then, up. sorry, but the great thing was to watch English football because you knew all about Scottish yeah. football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came third in the Ballon d'Or in 1957. Second. Third. 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 Yeah, he came third. But, well, who's, it must have been Di Stefano or somebody. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, it's Di Stefano and Puskas. It is Di Stefano and Billy Wright. Billy Wright? Yeah, Billy Don, Wright was second. Billy Wright wasn't in the same class as Duncan Edwards, mm-hmm. but Billy Wright had then was nearer the end of his career than the beginning of his yeah. career. And at that point, Duncan would have been 20. Yeah, he was a great player, Duncan. Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at Billy Wright. Billy Wright played right half for Wolves, then became centre half, and played both positions for England as well. He wasn't a big fella, but he was uh, a good footballer. Another phenomenal player you played with, of course, was George Best, who you had yeah. a really good relationship with. Yeah. What was it like playing with him? He was fantastic. He'd drive you mad at times because he wanted to beat everybody. <laughs> but he was a great, he was a lovely lad and a great, great player. Was he here when you first signed? Yes. So he was here. Obviously, Dennis Law, obviously, Bobby, Sir Bobby Charlton. Who else? No, he was here. You know, quite funny. We got to the cup final in 1963, and the club took everybody as they do most cup finals. And George was there. George was only 16. Right. Playing, was going to the cup final. We never saw a great deal of him, but the do afterwards and that, you, you saw all the young kids, and obviously, George was one of them. And was he talked about at that age? Not really to a great no. degree. Well, he was talked about. How could he be a footballer? There's nothing of him. He's yeah, skinny as anything. Yeah. All, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and then when you see them play, my God, mm-hmm. it was. He played here one day against Chelsea. And I was a great friends with Eddie McCready. Eddie McCready came from very near where my wife lived in Glasgow. And he was a great, great lad, Eddie. And I saw him here and sure destroyed him. I felt so sorry for him, you know. <laughs> I was playing in the game as well, but George, absolutely. He came in from that side there, the right back position, George, and his right foot, and chipped over the goal and into the far corner of the net. And he just started <laughs> And then McCready, I felt so sorry for the poor lad, you know that. I just want to ask you, actually, because as time goes on and generations go on, yeah. people have a debate. About, I'm sure you've been asked this question lots of times, but people have a debate whether Messi or Ronaldo are the best players ever. But growing up in Northern oh, Ireland, obviously there was only ever one oh, best course, player in our household who we watched videos course, of yeah. on repeat. For you, do any players ever compare the best to George player Best player I ever saw in my life was Di Stefano who played for Real Madrid. Not George Best? Unfortunately not. George really? would have been second. There we go. But, but there were different types of players yeah. in actual fact. Di Stefano... You could play the ball up, you could dribble. It's mm-hmm. he's, he's such a great brain, brain David. It's a pity that they don't show old yeah, films. He's played for the wonderful European Cup five years in a row while he was there. Five years in a row. And I saw him play at Hamden Park. They played Eintracht Frankfurt. 
Eintracht Frankfurt, I'd gone to the game at Ibrox, they played Rangers, they absolutely slaughtered Rangers, I think it was 6-2 or something, and they had battered Rangers over there, and you're thinking, Hampton Park, they've got a great chance, Eintracht Frankfurt, 7-3 it finished, they were absolutely slaughtered in Real Madrid. They got, Eintracht scored, and they got the, take the centre forward, and just after they took the, the, the centre forward, passed it to Puskas, Three touches later, it was in the back of their net. <laughs> that was how good they were. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of the two players that had played the ball to each other in the back of the net. To put a slight pause on the order in which we're following the questions, just because yes. there's so much fun in watching you describing things, like just now talking about George Best and pointing to the goal at the Stratford end because we've got this brilliant view of the pitch. Yeah. When you sit here now and look out at it, having played here so many times, having watched so many games here, what do you think of? Who are the players that come to mind? What are the memories you have when you just look out at the pitch? Oh, there were so many great players here. I mean, I looked at the team I played, and you had Dennis and George and Bobby. And no, you, you could never underestimate Nobby Stiles, what a great player he was. And he's got a fella playing double centre half, and he's five foot six. Five foot six, but ferocious. <laughs> you wouldn't want to play against him, David. You certainly would not want to play no. against him. But you could get away with things then, you wouldn't get away today. But he was he was a great reader of the game as well. And how good he was. He won a World Cup medal as of well course, with England, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And playing in the middle of the park for England, not playing in the defensive player as he did here. How did because obviously where we are, we can see his banner. His what? You see you see where you see where the Tony there's the banner there that says Tony Dunn. And God, the one next to it. Than me. I can't <laughs> see that. Well, just opposite where we're sat is a banner that says Nobby, Manchester born and red, and there's Obviously, oh, I see it. I see the one. Yeah, I see yeah. it. Yeah. How does it make you feel to know that players like that are still recognised and still yeah. talked about and still revered? Ah, oh, that's something that's been at this club since long before mm-hmm. even I came to the club. In actual fact, and you look at the the lads at Munich, how they remember. Mm-hmm. Johnny Carey was a great, great player here when they won the cup in '48. There was lots of great players played here at Manchester United. None of them were forgotten, but. I think when you get to my age, you remember them more. But a lot of people your age might not remember them. That's why we like yeah, talking I can, to I people can, I like can you. Forget you. You wouldn't even have a clue. You, your mum would have been Yuri. Or, no, your mum wouldn't have been born, probably. 1957, I think she was born. Was she 57? Yeah. Oh, well, my dad used to come to games when you were playing. He tells me all the time. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Oh, they're a great support in Belfast. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Belfast, both sides of the dividing line, yeah. great support for Manchester United mm-hmm. now. I keep in touch with loads of people from Belfast. Yeah, I know now. you do, because we did that show a few years ago yeah. in Donegal, do you remember? Um, Paddy, also, I just want to ask you what it was like in day-to-day training sessions here with players of that calibre. What was it like? Great fun. Aggressive? Oh, when you played, you'd play maybe 11 a side here on a Friday. Very aggressive. So you played on a Friday here before the ga- match yeah, on Saturday? The, the, the team that was playing on a Saturday would that 11 would play against the, the reserve team. And that's right. what was crazy because the reserve team would be kicking lumps yeah. out of you. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get in the team. Yeah. But you'd only play for about maybe half an hour or something mm-hmm. like that. But they'd done that every Friday. What was a typical training session like for you guys back then? Oh, running. Running. Mostly running for the fitness factor. And then you get the balls later on. But mostly all running. You wouldn't have done that, David, did you? With the ball, oh, well, the pre-season. He was skipped that pre- out. Yeah, pre-season was brutal. Just totally running, yeah, yeah. Pre-season was brutal. And now they have the the art monitors, and they know exactly 
the distances they've ran and stuff like that. It was just a case of, right, you run there 20 times and that was it. You had to do it. Do you know we used to run around Heaton Park? Heaton Park. You know the size of Heaton Park? Yeah, it's a pretty big park. We used to to do a training session there and then go back to the training ground and do a little bit more and then play five a side or six a side. What was your um, what was your relationship with Samat like? Samat had a great relationship with everybody. He was mm-hmm. a lovely man, but don't go and don't step on the wrong side of him. No. Oh, dear me, strong character. Did you ever have a... Well, I'm sure you will have done. <laughs> any run-ins with him? <laughs> One or two, but not very many. No? One or two. Oh, what you... were they having over? <sighs> I'm not sure. I can't remember, Dave, actually. Maybe leaving me out of the team one of the games yeah. and... Someone's got really excited on the tour. That's a young girl. That's a young girl. Somebody got excited. But that, that you you didn't want to be left out of the team. But he would always, you would always come come out of his office thinking, he's right, you know. (laughs) That that was the charm he had. Would that be Samat's way of letting you know that you're not playing? He'd get you in the office and explain it. Or or the minute you get called into the office, you knew you weren't playing. Yeah. But but it was a it was great in the office. It's just just for a game, you'll be all right. Just you need a rest and all that sort of thing. I mean, now today the rest players left, right, and centre. And I'm sure yeah, the players don't yeah. want to be rested. Mm-hmm. They want such to big play. squads, though, don't they? Mm-hmm. Sorry, they've such big squads now oh, that yeah. they have to. Well, in, in, my, in my day, you'd be lucky. There'd be fourteen, if you were fortunate, sixteen players in the squad, mm-hmm. but mainly about fourteen. Mm-hmm. And you could only play 11. There was no subs in those days. Can you, you remember your debut for United? Sorry. Do I know when subs what, first started? What year? We'll Google that. What I'll year? find out. That's what I was going to say. Google what subs uh, what But it was great when you go back when you were... You could finish up playing a game with 10 men. You could do sub, nobody, there was no substitutes allowed. Yeah. Oh. 1965 was the first time the English League football matches permitted substitutes. The first two seasons after the law was introduced, each side was permitted one sub during a game. 1965, yeah. there you go. Yeah. One sub. I just knew that. Top yeah. of my head. <laughs> and now you can develop many 11. Nine. Yeah. Nine, is it? Nine in the Premier League. Can you yeah, and you, yeah. Can you uh, can you remember your debut, Paddy? Who was against? Blackburn Rovers. I could be wrong. Not on the list. It's not on the list, Paddy. <laughs> Fancy. Tasker. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's his debut against? I think we drew the game anyway. What is he saying, Blackburn? I thought it was Blackburn. I like that the assumption is might not be right. I know, but you're talking about God, a minute, God knows how many years yeah. ago. Well, what, years, what, 60? Yeah. 58? 58 years ago, I suppose. Blackpool. 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 Oh, Blackpool. 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 Yeah, Begins Blackpool. with a B. Oh. Yeah. Nearly got yeah, there. Yeah, where yeah. Where Here at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. I think Stanley Matthews played in that game. The great Stanley Matthews played in the game. I you remember much about it? You would Stanley Matthews was one of the greatest players ever. Stanley Matthews played till he was nearly 60. What? Yeah. He came. Yeah. We played Stoke City here in the middle 60s, something like that. Stanley Matthews played. He was as fit as a fiddle, always looked after himself. And strangely enough, he always wore heavy boots when he was during the week. So when he put football boots on a Saturday, they were as light as anything. I met him quite a few times, actually. What a nice man he was. Mm-hmm. What a lovely person. Did you kick him? 
Did you kick him? I couldn't get near him to kick him. <laughs> no, but I met him off the pitch. Yeah. He's a lovely fellow. I don't mean, did you kick him off the pitch? I mean, when he was actually <laughs> that was playing. It, that was the best chance I had of kicking him was on, off the pitch. Can you remember much about your debut? No, I was disappointed with the result, but no, I can't remember a great deal about no. it, David. Can you remember picking up your first medal with the club, though? 1963. Ah, the cup final, yeah. Against Leicester. Leicester. Leicester were strong favourites to win the game. Mm-hmm. We, we, we played Leicester, I think, over the Easter period then, and we drew with them, and they beat us. They were strong favourites. Funny enough, there was a lad lived just up the road from me in Glasgow, was playing right half for Leicester, and I was playing right half for Manchester United, Frank McClintock. I knew Frank from Glasgow. No Crazy, isn't it? I feel like you grew up in this, like, quite small little Bubble. community. Yeah, and, and everybody and was good at football. Yeah, everyone was great. <laughs> well, there, was, there, there, there because nothing else to do. No. no television or nothing, so everybody played football. That's why everyone was a scout. They knew it was a hotbed of talent. <laughs> <laughs> so you won the FA Cup and then you won two league titles. Yeah. Was that a special moment winning the league in England? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the first time Manchester United won the league since the crash, mm-hmm. so it was important. But I'm disappointed because we we should have won the league a lot more times than that. But Liverpool had a great side, and I think it was four years in a row. We won it, Liverpool won it, we won it, Liverpool won it. And I suppose, unlike now, the frustrating thing, I guess, would have been if you don't win it, you don't enter the European Cup. No, there was no European Cup for you to enter, which is a sad thing. The funny thing yeah. about Liverpool, when we played Liverpool here at Old Trafford, you know, he used to stay with me every Saturday night when we played Liverpool, not every Saturday, when we played Liverpool, Ian St John and his wife. He was the centre forward of Liverpool. He would come and stay in my house because there was After no- the game, sorry? After- yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just double checking. But the, but the funniest thing about it, there was nothing in Liverpool. There was no clubs or restaurants or anything like that there is, like there is today in Liverpool. But Manchester was alive then. And Ian would always come over most Saturday nights with his wife. Who it's did just- you socialise with in your playing days? Dennis Law. Mm-hmm. Dennis mostly. Do you still speak? Dennis I haven't seen Dennis for a while, actually. And the great thing about Dennis, Dennis was never a football fan. You know, Dennis never could watch his football, never doesn't watch it on television. If Dennis was injured for United on a Saturday, he wouldn't come to the game. Right. Just didn't like football for mm-hmm. some strange reason. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? That's mental, isn't it? So, you know, you That's think, well, you, you, I must be lying, surely, but I'm not. Didn't like football, Dennis. Just a job for him, then? That's exactly what that it was. That he was very good at? Yeah. Bloody great at it. Not very good at it. Where yes. would you take him out? Would you take him oh, into town? Oh, there was an Italian restaurant too. I can't remember the name, but it's that long ago. We just go to the same Italian restaurant yeah. every Saturday night, natural fact. It was absolutely fantastic. But there wasn't many restaurants in Manchester in those no. days anyway. Nightclub? Disco? Dancing? There was a nightclub later on, the one that George got involved with, with Malcolm Wagner, who was a great friend of George's. It was the thing, Malcolm was George's best pal. Didn't like football. Never came to a game. And George was his best pal. <laughs> never, ever at a game at Manchester United. And funny enough, I saw him today at a, fr- at a friend's place today. No way, how funny. I haven't seen him for a while. So, 67, you win the league again. Yeah. And then 68, you're in the European Cup. It's 10 years since Munich. I'm assuming that's not something anybody spoke about or, or mentioned. Oh, we knew about it. Oh, yeah. we, knew, we knew about it 10 years in Munich, yeah. How was the European Cup campaign? Did it 
Did it feel more like we need to win because it was 10 years or everyone just wanted to win it anyway? Obviously, it, oh, it's, it's, if you're a professional footballer, they'll yeah. tell you, you want to win the best trophies mm -hmm. and the European Cup is the best trophy. And it was just, I mean, it was just great that night at Wembley just to look at Matt because Matt, mm -hmm. the one that instigated European football into England, because if you, you remember, you weren't born. But going back to those days, the people that ran football in this country were very much against playing in Europe. Yeah. Very much against it. And Matt saw that as the, the bigger thing. I think Matt at that time was saying this could be the biggest competition ever, the biggest, bigger than the World Cup, all that sort of thing. And it's very close to being the best competition. I think if you ask the people in Europe about the European competition and the World Cup competition, I think they might prefer the European Cup competition because mm. there's so many local teams from all these different mm. countries. I mean, the, the, the funniest thing we had, the funniest trip we had was the first time we went behind the, the Iron Curtain. We went to East Berlin. That was awful. Oh, dear <laughs> God. That was awful. They did nothing. We were told to take food with us, which we did. What'd you take? Food. Yeah, but what, what, like what was your meal? Food, like packets of yeah, food, like dry food? A loaf or something like a that. Peanut butter sandwich or something? Yeah, something you'd make sandwiches with, but... Uh, I mean, it was dreadful East Berlin in those days. And what was the process for trips back then? How long did you stay? Well, let me tell you city? something. We, 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 we flew into West Berlin and then went into East Berlin. Uh -huh. And they kept us at the airport for about four or five hours. Right. Four or five hours sat at a blooming airport. And honestly, it was the middle of winter. It was freezing when we went there. Mm -hmm. And we went... On the day of the game, would you have gone? For, no, the day before. The day before. And... It was freezing. Oh, it was cold. It was cold. And unfortunately for the poor people in East Berlin at that particular time, you could only put the light on at a certain time. It was... Everything was curfewed like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. wow. Dreadful it was in those days. What was it like when in the European Cup? Oh, well, you know you were like, yeah. it was the one you like? asked, yeah. and you know exactly no, what no, it's like. Because, 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 because I know, what yeah. was it like? We're in the European Cup. I know, but so I, casual. You, you, your celebrations, you, you stayed in You stayed in London. Yeah. Yeah. But you went to bed early. I, I didn't. I, I, come on. Well, what's the first thing you do? You win the European Cup and they bring in the cup. You, yeah. Well, you've got the cup. What do they do? Fill it with champagne. Yeah. And you're. <laughs> it was a scorching hot night and you're drinking. I don't even like the blooming stuff. No, but I've seen the pictures, Paddy, of you with the, <laughs> the bottles and really the cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> milk then. And uh, I got a chill in my stomach. I, did, I finished up going to my bed. I couldn't go to the banquet. My wife went to the banquet. The banquet. It was at the banquet. That's what it was in those yeah, days, yeah. the banquet. A big, big feast. It was so you was in bed early? I went to bed, but I got about... Four o'clock in the morning, I went down and they were still celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would know that, wouldn't you? Brilliant. They were still celebrating Brilliant. four, five, Absolutely. six o'clock. But Matt, God rest his soul. There was a great song out that time. I can't remember who you remember. It's a Wonderful World. Yeah. Who was the Louis Black? Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Great, great tune. song. Absolute tune. Matt never shut up singing that all night. <laughs> Brilliant. After the European Cup final win. Was that how you all celebrated? A bit of singing on the stage, a bit of karaoke? I was my bed hen. You do remember. <laughs> after the couple of champagnes, I was off ski. But they did, they were there. I got up in the following morning, about six or seven o'clock, there were dead bodies everywhere. Mm -hmm. They weren't dead, but there yeah. were <laughs> bodies everywhere. Was Samat a good singer? He wasn't bad, actually. He wasn't bad. 
It wasn't bad. What kind of connection and bond did you feel as a team when you'd won the European Cup? We felt a great bond prior to winning the European yeah, Cup. Never well, mind winning the yeah. European Cup. Winning the European Cup made us all... We had dinners up until God knows how many years ago, every year to celebrate yeah. winning the European Cup. And all the players would come. Mm. And then as time goes by, the numbers diminished. I know. <laughs> so there's not many of us left in actual fact. That must be something that is very difficult for you. Really sad feeling, I'm sure. Okay, when you've, when you've, David will know as well. You grow up with players and you're with them 10 years of your life. Mm -hmm. Every day you're seeing them. You become very pally with them. You yeah. become great friends. You become great friends with their wives, their kids, their mm -hmm. parents. All that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Especially when you achieve something together. Oh, yeah, achieve yeah. something like that. Like was that. Sir Matt, did he distance himself from the players to be the manager or was he very much part of the team with you all too? I think he was very part of the team to a great degree, mm -hmm. but it, it, there was a line that was there and yeah. he knew it and you knew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we'd celebrate results and all that, was he? But, but he would celebrate, but still there'd be that yeah. little line there. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what, like, David, were you and Alex Ferguson, but like, it was Alex when... It's the same thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's... I think it's, it's a huge respect thing, isn't it, for... Yes. For any managers, but those two particular, you know, they are Manchester United through and through, and what they did for this club is, is incredible. And, yeah, there's, there's always a line... You try and get as close to that line as you can sometimes, yeah. but you never cross it. Never cross it. That was more or less the same as what we yeah. had. Of course you won the competition, Paddy, but in the run-up to the final, did you feel as a team, you talked about the bond, did you feel like we could do this? Yes, especially with the game being at Wembley. With the game being at Wembley, you knew, I know it's... I mean, the great thing about Wembley, none of us had played very often. I think I'd played twice or three times there, and maybe some of the players hadn't played there, but... You knew you were going to have the majority support there anyway mm. for a start, regardless. But what part of the competition did you all really believe that you could win it? That's a good question, that natural fight, because you set off not thinking you can win it mm -hmm. because of the great sides that are in Europe at that particular time. And Benfica had won it a few times prior yeah. to us playing them in the final. And it wasn't a case of now you can lose a game in the group no, stages yeah. or anything like that. Oh, you lost a game there, you were out. That, yeah. You were out, there was no... Well, I mean, you, you weren't out, you'd home and away mm -hmm. that particular time. And you always had to win your home games here. To win away from home in Europe was Tough. very difficult. I probably might have been the same when you were playing, David, because England wasn't a very popular country with foreign referees. I got no. that impression anyway, that foreign referees were always very anti-English. Not just anti you kicking people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't, didn't work for you guys, because... You won it? Yeah. 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 What was the any standout performers for you during the campaign? It was a, a team game more than then, but in the final, without question, Johnny Aston was absolutely incredible. The poor right back, I can't remember his name. I, I, I felt sympathy towards him about midway into the second half. John was flying by him. John could run like that like you wouldn't believe. Flying by him, getting balls into the box. The poor guy was panting away behind him. John Ashton was the star man of that game in actual fight. Absolutely brilliant it was. Can you remember much of the game? I can remember a great deal. Well, I mean, because obviously, you know, the archives, now you can actually see the 68. Yeah. 
do you watch it and think, all oh, right, yeah. I've only watched it on MUTV, actually. It's been on a couple of times on yeah. MUTV, but... But do you sit there and watch it and think and reminisce? Oh, of course. Yeah. And if Trying you to give, kick the ball. If yeah. you give a bad pass, you're sw- swearing <laughs> at yourself. No, but most people that were at that game would remember it was a scorcher that night. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the sun. The heat was unbearable. The heat was incredible. And then you go into extra time. The heat was unbearable. And it was amazing. You'd think the Portuguese team would have been the ones to stand it better than we would. But it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. What do you think got you over the line that game? Well, I I remember, Mark, starting the the first half of it, extra time. Be careful. Don't do anything silly. Don't give the ball away. Be Mm -hmm. careful. Be careful. Be careful. We scored three times in about six minutes. (laughs) 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 He's telling us to be careful. It was just one of those things. The poor Benfica team just... Couldn't put up with the pressure of the extra time. Yeah, they were a great side as well. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, they won it two or three times. Mm. In '69, Samat retired. Yeah, that was a. What was that like? Was that a huge blow to the team? I, it was a huge blow to everybody. '68, and we wondered why. Just won the European Cup, the most famous trophy. Can you, can, can you remember the time? How did you find out? I think it was the. I think it was the press through the press that we found out. That same little guy from before. No, not the same. <laughs> Popped up guy. at your house again. <laughs> so it wasn't a case of meeting at the cliff or meeting at the ground and Samat told no, you just, all. He probably must have. Well, he would have been at the cliff and hmm. probably did speak to us, but I can't remember. Did no. very much about it. It's that long ago, but but that was a blow. It was a it was a shock more yeah. than a, more than a blow. Because yeah. when we went, when he went, Jimmy Murphy more or less wasn't the assistant manager anymore. Yeah. And Jimmy was a great character in his own right as well. Mm-hmm. And it all changed dramatically in a such short period of time. Mm-hmm. And Frank O'Farrell came in and I felt very sorry for him. How do you follow him up with me? Do you think it's pretty similar to the managers that have come in since Sir Alex has left as well? You know, how well, do you follow greatness? Oh, you can't do that. The you pressures and... You know, the pressure you're under following Sir Alec Ferguson as well. Yeah. Pressure you're under to be successful. You're under pressure at this club course, anyway. It doesn't matter, but to, to follow those two names that'll go down in the history, they'll be talking about those two names a hundred years from now. Yeah. Paddy, I must ask you one, ask one question. Uh, a game at Bloomfield Road, Blackpool. John Craven? Yes. What about him? You had a little bit of a ding-dong in the old uh, tunnel? Yeah, well, we both get sent Alex off. Alex Stepney told us his story. Did we he? want you to elaborate on it. Did well, you... we both get sent off, and I thought I was unfairly sent off because he had a go at me on the pitch. And we, we, where the goal was at, was at Blackpool, it was very close to where you went up the tunnel. The tunnel's behind the goal, yeah. Up yeah. Tunnel. You, you were very close to the, and, and Al, I can't remember what Alex shouts I'm something but look after yourself so I watch yourself or something like that <laughs> and all the best to you and you gave him good adding in the tunnel Ach, just one of those things I should never get sent off him it was his fault and he was bigger than me we, by we, the way. we understand that but you gave him a good adding in the tunnel I give him a good hide and I give him a couple of whacks that was all <laughs> <laughs> how many of those did you have in your time Paddy? I get sent I, I, I get sent off. I can't remember if it was either four times or six times. You're going to look through again. I'll find we'll out. Set, we'll set up a five then. I think you're still suspended, aren't you? You got sent off on your last game. That's correct. That's you got correct. sent off on your last, last game. Who, who was the last game against? Oh, you're asking, don't know. Bear with. Right. 
Career statistics. Came a whack. It doesn't say. Oh, that's Scotland. Really? Well, that's not helpful. It doesn't say. Well, this is rubbish. I get sent over. I think it was about six times anyway. Yeah. When you did have your last game, did you know that was your last game? More or less, yes. Yeah. yeah. And how old were you then? I was about 33, I think. Mm-hmm. 33. I mean, it would be different today. Somebody at 33 would be as fit as someone at 23. Yeah. In those days, it was different. I mean, the way they're treated today, players. The, the, you I played suppose. through injuries probably all your career, did you? I never got injuries. Did you not? No. Yeah, I, but a, a wee niggle here and there, but you just yeah, played but through nothing. them. Yeah, but nothing. If you've if you got a little niggle here and there and you went down, people, you, you got a real good... I look at some of the players today when they turn over and somebody looks at them. I feel embarrassed. I said, you know, you've got to go out and meet people. Why do you do that? Yeah. You don't. You, you do something to that today. It's like they're falling as if they've been shot. For those listening... Paddy poked me in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I did not fall over like I'd been shot. <laughs> no, but, but, but people do that today. Yeah. Paddy, Alan, t- Alan touched on you. Obviously, that was your last game. And was there a reason why that was your last game? Had your legs gone or is just... Oh, just you, you get to a situation there when one end of the pitch looks further away than the other yeah. end of the pitch. You know, you, you get that impression. But that was your choice just to say, that's it, I'm hanging in the boots up. Oh, to a certain degree, yeah. yeah. Did Because it was only a few years after Samat retired, right? Did that have any impact? Because I guess there was a lot of change and... There was a lot of change, yeah, when, when Matt retired. You don't hate like talking about people, but Frank O'Farrell became manager after Matt mm-hmm. retired. He was a lovely man, Frank O'Farrell. I think he was out of his depths here. Right. And that, and that can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. That can happen to players, never mind managers. You won't go around the club though, didn't you? And you sorted out the, the Lou McCary move to United from Celtic. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, well, I got involved with Tommy Doherty, which, God forgive me. And I went to Glasgow because I've always been an ex-Celtic player. And I, I, I used to go back to, when Celtic played important matches in Europe, yeah. I'd go back and watch them playing. And I knew Louis then as well, so it was a great deal of talk about him. He was going to Liverpool. Bill Shankly more or less signed him. Mm-hmm. And I get in between, and Louis said, I'd rather go to Manchester United. I think it was Bill Shankly was the manager at that yeah. time. Never spoke to me after that. <laughs> he was a great fellow, Bill Shankly, actually a great man. But then Louis came to Manchester United, which I think Louis was delighted to come here rather than go to Liverpool. So and it turned out, sorry, it turned out a success for him anyway. Absolutely. So when you hung up your boots, that was after 401 appearances and 19 oh, yeah. goals, by the way, yep. 19 goals? 19. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> How many yeah. do you think it is? I thought it'd be a lot less than that because the going... Just o- take the 19, Paddy. Well, the going overs I used to get from Dennis Law, if I had a shot at goal, go off his head, you get the ball up to us, we do the shooting. Honest to God. Really? Yeah. Did, did you ever take many penalties in your time? I took one penalty, not for Manchester United. Right. It's Celtic Park against who? Rangers. Correct. Oh, no. And? And I bloody missed it. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Was it saved or you missed the target? I missed the target. Oh, and let me tell you something. I had finished up, Rangers scored in the last minute and won 1-0. Oh. Now, I had to go home at the Gormers where I lived. I was hiding in little closet. <laughs> I'll get slaughtered when I go home. So I had a quick look. The 19 goals were for Scotland, for United, for Celtic, for everything. Like in your whole career, you scored 19 goals. Not a lot of that. Does that it? sound about right then? <laughs> <laughs> <But> nearly 20. 
So when you did that, but you were also involved still with bringing Tommy Doc to the club. Tell us about that and how that came about. How did you know him? I knew him when he was a manager at Chelsea and I, I knew him as a player as well mm -hmm. in actual fact. I, I saw him playing for Scotland quite a lot. And when someone knows someone, I think that's when clubs will prefer you to go there and talk to the man than anything like that. But Do you have a good relationship with him? was desperate to come here. But what was your kind of role at the time in the club then? That's a good question, in actual fact. Were you like, sort of like an ambassador or...? I'm not sure, actually, but in football in those, day, man. In, in those days in football, it would be, you'd be just one of a crowd, and if you knew somebody, you'd be the one that would approach that particular person. Right. So you were like an agent slash scout? I didn't get anything paid for oh. it anyway. <laughs> slash, slash reporter. Did a guy with his finger on the button. <laughs> uh, the agents got a lot of money for doing things for him, but that, that was just something the club, but I, I knew him. And so you just got in touch, and then who did you go back and tell? Oh, I've got... I Tommy think Mark was, the, Mark was the one at that time. Mm -hmm. Mark was, was a director at the club at that particular time, and he was the one. Mm -hmm. Talk us about, you had a little spell once you'd left United as a manager. Yeah, I went what to was North, that like? I went to Northampton for a, for, a, for a period of time, but there were great people there as well, but mm -hmm. I didn't actually stay there. I was travelling back and forward, and that wasn't the right thing to do. That was a mistake to do that. Did you enjoy it for a time, though, or...? Oh, you do was, it, was it something you wanted to do or was it just... Yeah, it was something I wanted to do. You've done it for a period of time and it's very, very difficult in actual fact. You're involved with 15 or 16 guys and you've got to keep them all happy. Yeah. And if you don't play, you can't play 16 on a Saturday. Did, so, you find it, did you find it hard picking a team because of your standards of where you've come from? That, made, that was difficult, Dave. That was difficult. You're yeah. watching football and you're thinking, God almighty. Yeah. You know, it was very difficult to adjust to that sort of system when you're looking at some of the great players you've seen played or played with and and then you're going to a standard that's much lower yeah i think if, if, if you're that if you're in one of those lower divisions get a manager that's played in the lower division don't get someone that's played mm. in the first division no did you agree with that yeah it must be so difficult when you've they were, they were lovely the people players that, yeah of course yeah yeah lovely but, people you know the standards you play or the standard you played at, winning leagues, winning FA Cups, winning the European Cup, and then you go down to a certain level, you think, how can you not see that pass? How can uh, exactly. you not do that? Exactly. And it becomes frustrating. Yeah. And you think, well, surely you must be able to see that pass or, yeah. Yeah. or see that tackle or see that run. And they're like, I didn't see it. But that's the big difference. Yeah, of course. It's the big difference. And it's not that. And the ability of that particular player is where he's playing in the yeah, first division course, yeah. you know if he was a better player than that he'd be in the first division of mm -hmm. so coaching you didn't last long coaching no I didn't well. last long at that no you went into the pubs well I had a pub out north for a period of time which was great fun actually great fun players went there for years didn't they after games after games I'm glad you said yes. that because <laughs> <laughs> because they never came in before games and anything like that Brian Robson that kind of yeah, era, they yeah after games but we had a few the Liverpool players would come over but if, if, if they were doing something here there's the Alan Hansen was in lovely fellow and terrific yeah. player yeah it was what was your job in the pub or was it just to own it did you have a Oh, I, I, I had an Irish lad that ran it for me. It was absolutely fantastic, it was. It was fantastic. So you weren't behind the bar? I went behind the bar occasionally <laughs> to do something because you're in yeah. there and you're doing nothing. Would you have been a bouncer as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You'd no, have thrown a few, few, where, few where, people Where the pub was not, it was a big United area. So. And then, of course, your life brought you to media, MUTV. Yeah. Which we are very lucky for. Do you think so? Oh, of course. <laughs> We're Absolutely. an institution, Paddy. The great thing about it is an actual fact is being involved with Manchester United and you're coming to the games and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's the great thing about it. Yeah. What does Manchester United mean to you? Oh, it means a great deal to me. I mean, if you asked my kids, and they're not kids anymore, but it means to them the world. The world. I mean, I was there today. Who have we got on Saturday? Southampton. Southampton on Sunday. What was the last thing my son says? Don't forget the tickets for Southampton, Dad. <laughs> so I had to go and pick up four tickets for Southampton yeah. today. That's what Claire was ringing about. Oh, was that what Claire Robinson was ringing about? Have you got your tickets? Yeah, I got them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I paid for it. I paid for them. I don't get them for now. Who are, who are the players from your time like being here as a, as a co-commentator and as a pundit and stuff that you've watched over the last sort of 20 years or so that you looked at and you thought, yeah, I'd like to have played with them? I'd like to have played with them all, in actual fact. That would made me a lot younger, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I'd love to have played with Ryan Giggs. David May, of course. I'm a great believer. The, the most important thing a defender should do is frighten the opposition. He mm-hmm. did. I think that's so important in football today. That you don't see it a lot in the... Did you see a lot in the Premier League no. today? No. No, no but in, in, going back to your day, no. you frightened the life out of people. They wouldn't come near you. Could you could always... Yeah. That is, I mean, it's not dying out because you could just get away with you having a goal at the centre forward. Then you'd speak to the other centre half and you say, right, you smash him as well. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, possibly your next the one. Game, then. Dave, going back of course to he was, yeah. Bad day and going back for long before that. Yeah, let him well, know you that. It's so funny to think of you being scary. Yeah, I know. You're like, huh? you've got such a big heart. You're, you're not scary at all. Yeah, yeah but, but when you cross that, that white line, you're playing for the club. Yeah. When you're on the pitch, it's different. Check oh, you'd hide. smash anyone. Absolutely. All day. Matt Busby got yeah. dressed, so let him know you're there. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to play in the modern game? Oh, I'm I'd love to play. Would you? Because oh, I would I, love to play. I don't think it would last long, Paddy. <laughs> yeah, no, great... you'd be off in about three minutes. But... <laughs> it wouldn't even be on the tongue. The great be... thing about football is actually playing the game. That's the best part of football mm-hmm. is playing it. So you'd, you'd, every player, David, you'd love to be still playing, but obviously you can't. No, but you can't cope with the people falling down. You don't no, like I that. can't cope with that. You can't no, cope with that, the referees. Oh, you can talk with referees to a certain degree, <laughs> but people falling over, that makes me angry, that. No, no, if, I know. I, I, I've said this for quite some time, in actual fact. BBC should highlight that in match of the day, show the player fall, embarrass them. Mm. Embarrass them. Yeah, mm. I agree. And you might get rid of it. Paddy, were you a pundit for ITV at the World Cup? 1970, 1974. I've seen footage of yes, that. Yes, so have yeah. I. We've seen footage of that. It's actually in colour as well. Malcolm Allison. Yeah. You were there with the colours down here. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was, there was four of us out in actual fact. He was on a panel. Um, Why have I seen There was a lad that played for Arsenal. He, he, he was much younger than us and he hardly got a word in, actually. Would you have been one of the first pundits? Was, was that I a think thing that existed? First ever. First ever. You were the first ever pundit? First, that, that, but, but let me find out who the other one was now. Malcolm yeah. Allison, myself. What year was it, sorry? 1974. That's quite incredible. Yeah. Charlie really George. You were the Charlie first George, ever no? pundit. Yeah. And what, uh, so that was the first, sorry, Sam, that was, that was the, the first, first competition. The first programme that they ever showed. It was the World Cup, wasn't it? Who, who was it? You've got to tell me. There was myself and Malcolm Allison. Derek Dugan. 
from Northern Ireland, Derek Dugan, great lad, Derek. Who this? Oh, and Bob McNabb. Yeah. That was a four. Myself, Malcolm Allison, Derek Dugan, and Bob McNabb. You know what we done? What was unheard of in television before? How it became such a big success, you wouldn't believe it. Because we sat as if it was four guys in a pub arguing with each other. Mm. Yeah. That's what you're good at. Hey! Look at the shirt. I think he's a tremendous little player. He's exceptionally good in the box, makes great angles for people when he gets in the box, when people are coming down either side. But I think some people don't give him enough credit for the skill he shows outside the box. To play along with him, if you see him lots of times, Phyllis can play balls up to him and he knocks them off tremendously well. Tremendous little player. That's comparable really? to punditry today. Yeah. And as it being the first thing. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. You actually talk sense. We finished up each other. I'm surprised that I got away with saying so that. So basically... Like, all pundits a bit are there because of you. Yeah. Are what? So the, they owe you. Yeah. Because you did it's such be, a good it's job. It's because of you doing your punditry that they are where they are now. Because of you doing such I, a good but, job. I, I suppose to a certain degree, because would pundits been alive today if we hadn't begun it? Would, would, would there be, would well, they we have never know. Punditry we never today? know. Would, would, would we have punditry today? It worked, didn't it? It yeah. worked, Paddy. Yeah. You must have done something right. What's the best game you've ever commentated on? Oh, and every time Brazil played, oh, they were, in that 1970, Brazil were absolutely <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> we weren't we expecting that. that. No. We were no, around about United. Let me tell you the funny thing about it. <laughs> I'd, I'd seen what's the, team, the great team from Brazil. That, they played at Stoke City in a friendly. They were absolutely brilliant. 1970, and I came back and said, oh, no danger. Brazil won the World Cup. Stonewall certainty. Yeah. So we finished up doing the punditry. And I was raved. I said before the... Competition started, result of a certainty. Nobody will get near them. And they did. They battered everybody. Mm-hmm. We got a phone call when we were in the studio after the game. The Brazilian embassy, would you please come? We are having a, a party tonight, the Brazilian embassy, and we'd love you all to come. We finished up going to the Brazilian embassy. It was packed with people. I don't know how many Brazilians there was in London at that time. But I remember, we're in here, and we're having a drink, and every often... The door would open and a f-ing crate of champagne, a crate of beer would come flying into the room. We'd shut the door and then maybe an hour later, the same thing again. It was, it was incredible. The Brazilian yeah. embassy. Brilliant. It was fantastic. Um, well, Pundits we'll ask that question again. <laughs> What's the best Manchester United game you've ever commentated on? Oh, I, I think it's got to be... Chelsea. Oh, that was the, that was the best, Moscow. Mm-hmm. Moscow, I do, uh, this is quite funny in actual fact. There was two girls came and sat beside me. How they get into the stadium, I don't know. They don't know how they get. They were both from Donegal, funny enough. They get to the stadium. In Moscow? And they finished up sitting in the commentator's box beside me and Steve Just Burr. two, just so two fans? On. They weren't part of any commentary team? No, they just came and plunked themselves <laughs> down. <laughs> Seriously. Just came and plunked And they were from Donegal? And they were Are you sure it wasn't relatives that God, you brought God. in but you don't remember them? <laughs> no, no. I no this is all who. too coincidental. No, I did. They were United fans, of course, going to Moscow and all that sort of thing. And they were going off their head. Just, just a crazy situation in, in Moscow. I enjoyed that more than any other game I'd ever seen United playing. And the way the game finished up with United winning and all that sort of thing, it was just an incredible scenario. Mm-hmm. Who was I with the night before the game? The night before the game I was with. Who's the manager of Chelsea? What now? At the time? It was Avram Grant in the final. I know it was, but f- um, 
Frank Lampard, are you going to say? Correct. I was with his dad the night before the game in a pub in Moscow. Right. <laughs> if any fun. of those two girls are actually listening <laughs> yes. to this podcast, can yeah, you please that, make yourself known? I, I, I would love to do I'd that. Love but, to know but, who they are. Would they get this in Donegal? Oh, yeah, look, but Paddy, this is worldwide. Surely this. you would have known them if they're from Donegal. You know everybody in Donegal. Oh, I, I don't know everybody, but I, I, I do these. Two. I'm just amazed that we sit beside two girls from Donegal. And they were in the commentary. That's brilliant. Incredible. I like that the the best thing I've ever been to. Now, let me tell you about the weirdos that were in the commentary box. Not specifically Um, weirdos. After after the Cup, the the 1971 Cup final, myself and Malcolm went to this, I can't remember the name of the hotel, and we're at the bar having a drink. Who comes in and stood beside it? Michael Caine, the actor. And Michael Caine looked at us too. He says, he says, what the two of you doing? He says, I'm going back to watch you lot on television later. And you're here. <laughs> I says, Michael, they've done it before. You know, they pre-do the programme. Not so a lot of people know he that. He stood there beside us for ages. Hmm. I'm sure you've met some people in your time, oh, have you? have met loads of people. But you don't realise how many people are actual football aficionados. Mm-hmm. You know everyone. Everyone knows you. <laughs> <laughs> you must feel a real affiliation with the fans, though. Uh, well, I've, I've been a fan. Mm-hmm. I still am a fan, Yeah, a fan, first and foremost. Yeah, first and foremost, yeah. Do you think it could be anything to do with those rose-tinted glasses you wear? <laughs> oh, you do. I suppose, I suppose like most fans... you got to be biased. You become very biased to one side, don't yeah. you? And you always think... We've been hard done. I always thought Manchester United were hard done by anyway. Mm-hmm. I think there's a great jealousy out there in the football world about Manchester United. And I always think, referees included, that sometimes there's a little bit, no, you're not going to get that foul, even though it was a foul. Hated and adored. <laughs> nice, amazing. That's exactly nice. what we are. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Paddy, I can honestly say it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thanks I've so enjoyed nice. the crack. I've loved it's it. been terrific. Nice. Everybody has a Paddy story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about those after whenever you go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you, Paddy. Cheers, You're Paddy. very welcome, Paddy. It's brilliant. Well, it's been long awaited, but that was very well worth the wait. Loved it. Oh, it's brilliant. He's so funny. He's brilliant. He has the best stories, doesn't he? Also, I mean, we we spoke at the start of this, uh, you know, about how many funny stories he has. But like also, what an incredible football career. And it must have been really difficult. And he, you know, talks about not enjoying it. The the idea of having to leave Celtic and join Manchester United. How many people join Manchester United and aren't necessarily 100% like, this is a a dream come true? Mm -hmm. You know what, as well, we didn't even really have time to ask him a lot about his Scotland career yeah he had a great career for Scotland as well yeah but yeah his stories about Sir Matt Busby in particular mm-hmm. him singing you're just hanging on every word yeah when yeah. you're listening about him aren't yeah. you one thing that we didn't talk about what well, we did talk about but we didn't you know elaborate on because we didn't maybe have the time is he talked about playing for like a Scotland league like all-star team which he did multiple times having had a look fascinating that like what that would be now today if that happened would it just be like the pfa team of the year versus the more italian pfa yeah. team of the year or something so many things though have changed like yeah. just the fact that he basically got tommy dock a job mm-hmm. but paddy didn't work for the club he just no just knew <laughs> it's so bizarre just knew the right people yeah i love it though mm-hmm. that's why i love doing the older player stories because yeah. it's so fascinating how football has changed in every single aspect the local reporter turning up on his yeah. door. 
You're going to United. What? Yeah. And then he comes down and helps him do the deal. I think that was a different reporter. I really... Well, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. And then a, a another reporter, reporter comes down. down. I really enjoyed the shock on both of your faces when you said, what's the best game you've ever, you've ever been at? And he was like, Brazil. Yeah, also when I yeah. was teeing I, him I, up I to only... say George Best was the best player ever. <laughs> <laughs> he said to Stefano. <laughs> That's Paddy for you. Uh, that's Paddy yeah. Ford's Honestly, the best great, policy always, he is, with, he always is. with Paddy. Obviously, you've worked with him on um, lots of commentary games, Maisie, and you did allude to the fact that he does sometimes wear rose Oh, tinted, tinted glasses. glasses, absolutely, yeah. But you know what? That's why we love him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's, he's, he's different class. He United is. can do no wrong in his eyes. No, no. Do you know what I loved? I mean, we're, we're talking just after the Leeds game here watching his face come up the steps in the press box to, to actually see Paddy, because obviously because of COVID and everything mm-hmm. like that, he's had to stay away from the stadium. I know, it's so sad. But to actually walk up and actually see his face again. Yeah, it just feels was, like, oh yeah. so, so nice. We're back. Seeing Paddy's here. Face. Paddy's here. Like he literally is like part of the furniture here. He is. He likes this place. I uh, love that podcast. Shall we do some emails? Yeah, why not? Okay, I'll start. Royston Go says, Hi guys, listening to the podcast has given me the feel-good therapy as I work from home. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the stories, the banter and the personalities of our great players past and present. As you already had a great collection of the treble winning team players on your podcast, it would only be natural to complete it with the rest of the squad. We agree. Uh, he says, I know you already have lots of people calling for Keane and Beckham. I think Gary Neville and Nicky Butt would make good interviewees sharing those class of 92 banters. A cheeky suggestion would be having both Gary Neville and David Beckham interviewed together as they never let us down back in the days as a duo down the right flank. Thanks and all the best. Thank you very much for your email. We will work on those. Uh, I've heard Maisie is on to Roy Keane. That's his job. Is that right? Well, amazing. Well, yeah, volunteers. Yeah, you know, as you do, I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah, I asked what's Keane before the mm-hmm. Liverpool game last season. And uh, he had a wry little f- smile on his face as if to say he would do it. So it's a case of like dotting the I's, crossing the T's and getting it over the line. Well, that's exciting. Daisy yeah. um, is the man in the know. Yeah. Oh, hey. He's the podcast agent. <laughs> Oh, I've thanks. got an email from Brian O'Driscoll who says, "Do you know the? Well, it might be. A, I mean, he is Brian O'Driscoll. He might not be the Brian O'Driscoll no, that you're no, thinking I'm sure of. There is many, but, but says. oh, it's Brian O'Driscoll Junior. Son, then, well, could be. Google it. Anywho, What's he got a son called Brian. This is what Brian said, <laughs> dear United oh, podcast like crew. The last eight to nine months have been the hardest of my life so far. Between the pandemic, losing family and friends, it's been tough. However, times are changing and things are getting better. I still struggled massively during that time period, but every single podcast was an hour or more of escape. Football and Manchester United have been the best ways to get my mind off things, and there's no better way than your podcast. I'm not the type to leave reviews. I just felt like I owed some gratitude. Thank you so much for the hard work you guys put in. Every ounce of it is appreciated. Glory, glory, Man United. Best, Brian. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. Oh, that's so lovely. So nice, Brian. I think we all have comforts, don't we, in life? And it's amazing to think that in any small way, we're we're one of yours. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's awesome, and we hope you're okay, and thank you for listening. Carrie Buckner, who is in Pennsylvania. Been there, Maisie? Pennsylvania? No, but I would like to go. Um, I have a feeling you've been there. That feeling is wrong. Oh, I thought you told me you'd been there once before. I've never been to Pennsylvania. No. There we go. 
Hi guys, just That's a quick where Dracula's from, isn't it? Transylvania. Hey! <laughs> I knew I'd get one. Oh, I knew I'd get one. <laughs> I love it. Just a quick note of appreciation for these wonderful podcasts. The trio has wonderful chemistry and always seem to bring the best out of each guest and one another. I've been making my way through the podcasts starting at the beginning over the past year. I recently listened to Alan Smith's and Alex Stepney's. I was impressed with both for very different reasons. As a young supporter, it was insightful to hear from Alan Smith himself. I could easily sense his character and personality. A refreshing challenge to the various ways I've seen the media present him. I also loved hearing Alex's stories from an era I was not alive. Always fascinating to hear more about the times in the past to paint a broader picture of the club and the names we often still reference today. Best Law, Charlton, Busby, etc. Thank you for all of your hard work and dedication to something we all love. Thank you very much indeed, Carrie. Much appreciation for your email too. Awesome. Thank you so much for all of your emails. Thank you for listening again. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode for you. Uh, you can leave us a review. You can send us a message. Tell us anyone you'd like to hear from or anything else you want to get off your chest. It's unitedpodcast.mainlight.co.uk. Um, like it, obviously. Subscribe. Enjoy yourself. And we'll see you next time. See you later.